This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Late Night Drive. My name is Ellie Schnitt. I am your driver. I'm your host. I'm so happy. Excuse me. So happy to have you here in the passenger seat with me. Yeah, I'm so I'm happy to be back. I'm sorry about last week. I meant to put out a statement saying that there was going to be no episode uh, for Fourth of July. Like that was the plan. But then, <laughs> listen, guys, a lot happened last week. Last week was like lightly traumatic, if I'm being completely honest. It was just like one of those weeks and I was like, oh, oops. And then it was Friday and I was like, fuck, (laughs) I completely forgot to say anything. But yes, I'm back. We're back. Not going anywhere for a long, long time. I honestly don't think the next time, let me think. Next time I'll probably take a day off is uh, Thanksgiving. So... Don't worry, <laughs> there will be no more missed episodes. Uh, yeah, rough week, weird week. Um, there was a mass shooting in the town right next to my hometown. Uh, so that was really weird because I'm home right now, currently recording live from my childhood bedroom. So it was just like one of those things where it was weird. I mean, I've marched in that parade. I've I spent a lot of time in, in that downtown area. And it's just very, very tragic, but also very weird. Um, and then uh, my mom also had to have a surgery. She's okay. But that was just like, it was a lot. It was like just one of those weeks where I was like, wow, there's just a lot going on. And I completely forgot. And I'm sorry. That's my bad, besties. But we're back. Um, I'm happy to be back. I missed you. But we have a jam-packed episode today. Really excited to see where things go. I've been home. I've been in my hometown for two weeks. It's a lot. I don't know if I'm the only person, but like whenever I go home to be with my parents like and stay at my childhood home in my childhood bedroom, I literally feel like I revert. Like I feel like I'm 16 right now. If you asked me truly how old I was, I'd be like, I'm like 17. Like, I have no idea. It's super weird because it's like I'm not doing any chores, you know, like I'm not doing the dishes. I'm not doing the laundry. I don't have to come up with meals, like all these things that just become part of my adult life. I'm like not doing. So I just I'm like, I don't really know what's going on. If I wasn't taking my birth control, I would have no fucking idea what day of the week it is. No fucking idea. But luckily, I do take birth control. And luckily, The Bachelorette is coming back on Monday. I think we should do Bachelorette recaps on the show because I'm obsessed. I can't stop watching. And yeah, it'll be fun for us. I wanted to update you on the depression. (laughs) 
such a funny step. I wanted to update you on the depression. So um, I went to see my therapist because I wanted to tell her, yeah, I'm not feeling super great. You know, I'm feeling a little depressed. And she's like, okay. So I started telling her about you know, I feel really empty. I feel really numb. I feel like I'm not feeling anything. I'm having a hard time showering. I'm having a hard time doing household things. I'm having a hard time doing work. I'm having a hard time getting out of bed. And she's like, okay, um, let's do the depression inventory test and the anxiety one as well. Because I was like, I don't, I'm not anxious at all. I literally just don't feel anything. Okay, this is not funny. I mean, it's a little funny. It's kind of funny. I laughed out loud, though, in therapy. Laughed out loud when this happened because I thought it was so fucking funny. You can laugh because it is kind of funny, but it's like tragic funny. So <laughs> we did this depression inventory test and the anxiety one as well. And it just like, I don't know, it's a couple questions and therapists use it to assess, you know, how depressed you might be or how anxious you might be whatever. So the last time I had taken it was maybe October um, of last year of 2021. So we took the test and then she's like, okay, here's your results. I was like, okay, on the anxiety test in October, you scored about a six and this time you scored a one. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. She's like, yeah, it's really, really great. I'm really proud of you. Like you've really worked on your anxiety. I'm like, hell yeah, I have. And then she said, Okay, and on the depression one, uh, in October, you scored a five. And I said, okay. (laughs) And she said, and this time you scored a 14. (laughs) I said, oh. (laughs) Like, I cackled. I laughed out loud. She's like, why are you laughing? Because, like, this is is kind of a dire situation. She's like emergency emailing my psychiatrist to get me an appointment and I'm like cackling because I'm like I'm sorry that's funny that's like it's not funny I I get that it's not funny but there was just something really funny about the number going from 5 to 14 and like I feel fine like I mean obviously I don't feel anything but I feel fine but anyways I saw my psychiatrist she's prescribed me Welbutrin I'm taking that right now feeling good feeling okay it makes me a little bit hyper i'm not mad about that though it's better than having no energy and i guess we'll see what happens um people love wellbutrin i watched claudia has a video on her youtube channel about how certain like antidepressants and ssris interact with your libido and i was just watching that because i was like curious uh, and it was actually very helpful it made me feel made me feel better so if anybody's concerned about starting mental health medication because of libido changes i would watch that but apparently wellbutrin makes you skinny and horny because it has like anti-inflammatory properties i guess so i don't know like if that's the case you know <laughs> not mad about it uh but yeah i've been taking it for about a week now i have no idea if i feel any different but yeah i'm a little hyper so That's my update. I wish I had anything more interesting, but I truly, from the bottom of my heart, I did nothing the last two weeks. Nothing. I hung out with the puppy. I took the puppy on walks. I fed her one million treats. I hung out with my mom. I went shopping with my mom. I went golfing with my dad, you know. I saw a couple of friends, like, for brunches, you know, but I really was, like, chilled out. This is my version of a summer break. Some people are going on vacations to Europe. I'm like in the Chicagoland suburbs. (laughs) But hey, there are worse things. I am a little concerned, though, because, again, I've been gone for two weeks. And I'm going to can I confess something to you guys? It's kind of gross, but I need you to understand like where I was at depression wise, because otherwise I feel like you're not going to understand. So just no judgment. I know that this is gross, but like 
just in the spirit of full disclosure. So I left my apartment for two weeks, obviously. I turned the air conditioning off because I'm not paying for that shit (laughs) if I'm not there, which means my apartment's probably going to be pretty hot when I get back. But I also left, um, I did leave some dishes in the sink. (laughs) I was like, oh, I need to do the dishes before I leave, but I just couldn't do it. I am concerned. Like, I am concerned. I don't think there was food in any of the plates. Like, I think it was just crumbs, if anything. But, like, I am a little concerned that it's going to be gross. And then I'm just going to have to go ahead and throw out the dishes in the sink and just get new ones. So if I get new dishes, that is why. (laughs) Because, listen, I don't know how bad it's going to be. It could be better than nothing, but honestly, I might just throw it out anyways because the idea of actually washing those dishes, you know what? It's not, it's not bringing me joy. It's not bringing me joy. Um, and maybe I deserve a fresh start (laughs) and I'm not going to judge myself for that, right? I've been falling off the horse a little bit, the horse, the wagon a little bit. I've been rotting. I've definitely been rotting fuck it. We're, we're not going to judge ourselves for rotting. We're just going to not rot anymore. That's the deal. We're just going to keep moving forward. And in, on that note, on that lovely positive note, um, let me just say I really did miss you last week. Um, but I got plenty of little voicemails and DMs. I don't know where the accent came from. Super sorry. Um, and uh, I'm excited for today's episode. So what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? Okay. We have a voicemail that said... Hey, help me. I keep attracting emotionally unavailable men. What do I do? (laughs) Who among us? We have a voicemail about I can't stop getting too drunk and fucking up my life. Again, relatable. Who among us? Got a voicemail about how to stand out on a dating profile or just general tips on compiling a dating profile. And I'm happy to lend my expertise there. And then a DM about breakups and how to deal with that missing uh, person, you know, like that person you always texted, that person who you did everything with. What do you do um, and how do you feel less alone when you're dealing with that loss? And that's going to be the episode. So if that sounds fun and cute and flirty and fun to you, (laughs) keep on listening. Okay, let's get into our first voicemail. Hi, Ellie. I just want to start by saying that, like, I really love your podcast because it feels like I'm talking to both my therapist and my big sister at the same time. And I think that that is very special. Um, Anyway, so I guess the reason why I'm calling is because I can't seem to attract emotionally available men. It seems like every man that I encounter in my life is emotionally unavailable, and I don't know what I'm doing to only attract these types of men in my life, but it always ends up me crying in my bed alone at 2.30 in the morning, and I just, I didn't know if you had a solution to this, because nobody else in my life seems to have a solution to it, but it's just, you deserve better. I know I deserve better. Everyone deserves better. <laughs> but for some reason, the men are always emotionally unavailable. Anyway, um, thank you very much for having a voicemail and also for your podcast. Have a great night. Bye. 
Okay, first I just want to say this is like the most relatable voicemail. I mean, this is like what the most relatable problem. And I also have to say I am going through this right now also. I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't know if it's just like the universe saying let's give you some character development but like listen if i'm being honest i've had enough character development my character she's developed okay like i'm good um but yeah this is a really big problem i i think a big part of it is like you don't know what people's intentions are when they're dating like that has always been something that i've really really struggled with because i feel like you know i do everything that i'm supposed to do I go to therapy, I work on my shit, I try to communicate, I try to be honest about what I'm looking for, I try not to go out with people that, like, are not what I'm looking for, you know? And then I think because of that, that I'll just be, like, rewarded with someone who's doing the same. And, like, that's just not, that's just not true. That's just not been the case. And there's something so unfair about it, you know? There's just something that just makes me so upset where I'm like, it isn't fair that I'm doing everything right and I deserve so much better and I'm not getting that energy reciprocated to me. So I keep finding myself in this similar situation where, you know, I think I've met someone great and then they're just like, uh, but I'm actually not ready for, like, a relationship right now. And it's like, okay, then why are you dating? Why are you dating if you're not looking for a relationship? I mean, obviously, the practical advice is just to say off the bat and like not worry. Don't don't worry about coming off as like crazy or whatever, because the right guy, a normal fucking guy is not going to think you're crazy from for starting out like this. But just say off the bat, like, hey, by the way, I don't know what you're looking for, but I am looking for a relationship. So if you're not, that's totally fine. We can still maybe get to know each other. But like. You know, don't waste my fucking time. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like, that's the same. That's the simple. But it's not like a solution solution because then people do lie. You know, <laughs> men will tell you they want something and they don't want it, you know, and it's it's fucking crazy. It drives me crazy. But you know what my therapist always says? It only takes one. <laughs> You can keep meeting these guys who fucking suck and it sucks. You're going on these dates and you feel miserable and you're just like, I don't understand why I keep meeting the same person and this sucks. It only takes one person. It only takes one person to be the right person. Like dating is not a game of averages. (laughs) It's not like, well, I've had six good dates and 10 bad dates. And so this is my average. It's like, no, you just need one. You just need one. Just need one good one. Um, so sometimes I think of that to help me, but the other aspect of it is you need to shut things down right a fucking way when you can tell that they're not emotionally available because I feel like you're putting the burden on yourself. Like you're doing something wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. They're emotionally unavailable. You are not putting out energy that says, please waste my time. I used to wonder, like, do I secretly have a tattoo on my forehead that says, please waste my fucking time? And like, because that seems to be what people are reading from me. But you're not doing anything wrong. You're not like the problem here. The problem is the emotionally unavailable men. But what you can do about that problem is absolutely not entertain that shit. Like when you meet a guy and he says some shit like, you know, some fuckboy shit and you can tell like, oh, I'm just like really into my work or uh, I just need like a lot of space, but like we can still see each other sometimes. Like you hear that shit? I want alarm bells ringing in your head where you know, cut it off. 
cut it off because you know what? As fun as it can sometimes be to be <laughs> crying at 2.30 in the morning just for the story, it also doesn't fucking feel good. It doesn't fucking feel good to get your heart broken by someone who clearly had no intention of handling it with care. So the only thing you can do, there's two things you can do, right? You can say off the bat, listen, I am looking for a relationship. I am not looking to waste time and then enforce that like that is a boundary. I want a relationship and I'm not going to be with somebody. I'm not going to waste my time on somebody who who doesn't want the same things that I want. I mean, it's easier said than done. I know that. But like, you just have to be strong and know what you want and say, fuck, no, I am not wasting my time. I know that sometimes those like emotionally unavailable. Oh, he's so brooding and moody and I could fix him. Like, I get it. I get that that's attractive. I know better. And I still sometimes am like, but I could fix him. I literally, you guys. Okay. I'm saying this in a safe space. Okay, this is a safe space. I was hanging out with a friend of mine and he knows John Mayer, like personally. And I was like, and he was telling me about John. He's telling me about how, oh, like he really needs somebody who can like keep up with him intellectually, but like also will just like let him be the man. And I swear on my fucking life, that I found that attractive. I would obviously never act on it. <laughs> Not that I'd ever be in that situation, but I'd obviously never act on it because of Taylor Swift. But in my head, I go, mm, I could fix him. He sounds really, really emotionally unavailable, but I could fix him. I would be the manic pixie dream girl that just like changed his life. Girl, he's old. He's old and a fuck boy and like gross. Like look what he did to Taylor Swift. No, but it's compelling. There's something about it that's compelling. We just need to be stronger than that. We just need to like remind ourselves that what we're looking for is somebody who does not make us cry at 2.30 in the morning. If somebody you're interested in is making you cry, that's the biggest fucking red flag. That's the biggest fucking, like they should not be making you cry. Sometimes you might cry, you might get in a fight, you might be upset with them. But if they're like constantly making you feel like shit, then that's your time to cut and run. Really, really cut and run. So we just need to like solidly enforce this boundary. And remember that you are not doing anything wrong. I know I'm giving like advice on things that you can do, but I want you to understand that like it's not you. It's just that like we need to stay away from men who do not know what they want and are immature and are refusing to like learn how to be a person. Like it's not your fault that men are emotionally unavailable. Sometimes it's not even really their fault. It's hashtag society. But still, if someone's not going to put in the bare minimum of effort to learn how to, you know, if someone is dating, knowing damn well, knowing damn well, they cannot offer for a relationship what a relationship deserves. If they fucking know that, then they're not a good person. And like, fuck that guy. We don't we don't need that in our lives. Because why? Because we're fucking awesome. And you said it yourself. You deserve better. You know you deserve better. You're awesome. Like, it's not your fault. You're not like attracting. You're not like a magnet for bad dudes. Bad dudes exist everywhere. It's actually just finding the good ones. That's the work. And they're out there. And remember, it only takes one. 
I do, though. I do empathize because it's hard. And I'm going through the same thing. I swear every guy I meet, every guy I meet is the same way. But when it happens, I'm like, okay, (laughs) bye. (laughs) Peace. I mean, it's exhausting. It makes me not want to date. It makes me be like, okay, um, when will this torment end? Am I in purgatory? Have I died somehow? And actually, this is hell and torture. Um, (laughs) But I tell myself it only takes one. And one day there will be a wonderful, emotionally available man. <laughs> and um, and all the shitheads will be worth it. But we don't put our energy into people who don't give us energy back. That's rule number one. Other than that, keep doing you. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm sure you're putting out great energy and great vibes. I'm sure that you are fun and beautiful and smart and awesome and like the life of the party and the best person everyone knows. Like, I'm sure you are effervescent, dazzling, compelling, dynamic, like literally the dream girl. So it's not that you're doing anything wrong. And the right person at the right time will find you. I promise, I promise, I promise you're not doing anything wrong. And that's really all I have to say about that one. I could literally complain about emotionally unavailable men for the rest of my life. Because I feel like I've dated all of them, actually. (laughs) I think I've actually gone through each and every one of them. And remember, like, I mean, I don't know how long you've known me or listened to my podcast, but like, I was hung up for years, literal, literal years, love, on Mike, who was the textbook definition of an emotionally unavailable man. Not a bad guy, not some fucking demon. Like, he just was emotionally unavailable. He could not give me what I deserved. And I cried over him for years, obsessed. Just wished he he could want me the way that I wanted him, you know? Like, just truly was fucked up over this guy for years. What a fucking waste. What a waste of time. If I had known then what I know now, I would have I would have cut and run at the first sign of trouble, but I didn't. And I was miserable for years. I don't want any of you to go through that because it fucking sucks. So <laughs> that's what I have to say about that. Um, let's get into our next voicemail. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Late Night Drive with Ellie and Michaela is brought to you by BetterHelp. Um, so I love therapy. I have always been a huge advocate for therapy. I've been seeing my therapist for, gosh, going on six years now. So she's basically like a homie, less of a therapist, more of a pal. Just kidding. She actually is really, really good at her job. And I have benefited immensely from therapy. I literally feel 
like I wouldn't be the woman that I am today if I didn't have therapy as a resource. I think it's so good to help you work through not only like your daily problems and, you know, your work issues or your friend issues, your relationship issues, but also like work through things that have been patterns in your life that maybe you've identified but don't really know how to fix or things like phobias, anxieties, things that you feel like you have a lack of control over. Therapy can be really helpful in making you feel like you do actually have control because you have more control than you think that you do. But I know that it is not easy for everybody to access therapy. And that's why I love today's sponsor, BetterHelp, because, uh, I mean, there are states in America even where there's like two therapists that take insurance, you know, like it's really, really important to have access to mental health and not everybody does. And BetterHelp makes it super, super easy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give it a try. It is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest, whatever it is, with BetterHelp. <laughs> Visit betterhelp.com slash LND today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LND. Okay, this one made me laugh out loud when I heard it. Like, I did laugh out loud, but I'm, let's talk about it because there's a lot to unpack here. Okay. Hey, Ellie, my name is Jess, and something happened this past weekend, and I would just love for you to talk about it so I can stop talking about it to myself in my head. Basically what happened is like, I just go out and I get drunk and I basically just like fuck up my life and I am my own worst enemy and like I just ruin things. But any guy I'm talking to, I will just get so, I'll just get drunk and just do something stupid or like just fuck up. <laughs> I get too drunk and then I'm like texting them and crying or whatever and I don't know if that's, like, self-sabotage or just I need to get a grip on my life, but thanks. Love you. What the fuck was that? Did I make that noise? Did you hear that? It sounded like a duck. Okay. I like this voicemail because there's a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack. I think we've all gone through a phase like this in our lives. If, if you're somebody who drinks, I, I feel like at one point or another in your life, you've gone through the, I keep fucking my life up. I keep saying stupid shit, doing stupid shit. Um, but there's a couple things. And this is the first thing. How are we defining fuck up my life? Like what I, what I'm asking is like, what is it that you think you're doing that is so bad that it's like fucking your life up or, you know, ruining things with people? Because it's entirely possible that you're right, that, you know, you, you, I, I, I honestly can't even think of something that would genuinely fuck your life up. Like if you drunk texted a professor and was like, if I sleep with you, can I get an A? Like that might fuck your life up a little bit for sure, for sure. But I, I think... And I don't mean this in a way to invalidate how you're feeling at all. But I just want to say because I recognize, look, anxious recognizes anxious, game recognizes game. Like I have been there where I felt like I kept fucking up. I kept doing things that were like really embarrassing. And when I look back on some of those things now, I'm kind of like, oh, you know what? It really wasn't that bad. Now, some things I look back on and I think, holy shit, uh, I should be put down. But um, for the most part, it was a lot of the time my anxiety making a situation seem a lot worse than it was. 
I mean, I also think, though, that when you're calling in and you're saying, like, I just get really drunk and I fuck things up, like, we can talk about drinking safely, right? Part one of this is, like, let's zoom out for a second. Let's not listen to our drinking anxiety and say, like, okay, was it really embarrassing? Was it really bad? Or is my brain lying to me? Is my anxiety lying to me? Because fucking anxiety is a liar. Your brain can be a fucking liar. That little, <laughs> that little bitch, your anxiety can sometimes tell you, you are so embarrassing. Uh, you ruin everything. No one likes you. Blah, blah, blah. You're the problem. Like, your anxiety can do that. It's crazy because it's the voice in your own head. You're like, How, wait, excuse me. Aren't you on my side? But they're not. <laughs> it's not on your side. Um, and it can fucking lie to you. So that's the first step, I think, is zoom out. Look at things kind of objectively and think like, okay, is this is this as bad as I think that it is? or Or is it kind of okay? Most nights, I think you'll po- you'll probably find it's okay. But there's step two. There's step two is you look back on it and it, it genuinely is embarrassing. I, oh God, I've been there. I mean, you guys, like I one time got blackout drunk on wine, had period shower sex at a pregame, texted a guy I was seeing and ended up sobbing for the rest of the night. So, you know, I've been there in college. Oh, God. Oh, God. In college, I once got so drunk. I <laughs> it was the last day of college. Oh, my. I actually still cringe out of my skin when I think about this. It was so fucking embarrassing. I, like, got so drunk. And we were we were with this guy that I used to hook up with that I didn't even like him like that. I was just, like, annoyed he didn't like me like that. And I just, like, oh, God. I, I don't even know what I said to him. But I like sat on his, oh my God, I sat on his lap at the bar and was like yelling at him, I guess. Like, I don't even fucking know what I said to him. So God, it's been years. I mean, it's been like four years and I still am like that. I can't even believe that I was doing that. And like, you know, the drunk text and the dumb shit that you would say and like the stupid thing. Like, yes, there are some nights I look back and think, oh, my God, that was so fucking embarrassing. That actually was embarrassing. And in that case, if something actually was embarrassing, two steps. One, you got to act like it wasn't embarrassing. (laughs) And two, let's talk about safe drinking a little bit. I know, but I'm being a mom, I'm being boring, but you know what? Learning how to safely drink in a way that did not make me sloppy or, you know, make me respond to every single person I've ever met's Instagram story or text some guy I don't really want to see you. What are you doing? Like once I learned (laughs) my own body well enough, that shit kind of stopped happening. I mean, there's two parts to that, but we'll start here. Safe drinking. I know you get drunk faster when you don't eat anything. You also are going to get fucking sloppy. Eat something. And not just something. Eat something substantial. Eat something with protein. Eat something with carbs. Eat something with fat. I do not care what you eat, but I care that you eat. Know your limits. Know the difference between you after two drinks, you after three drinks, you after four drinks. I know on a typical night out, if I have two drinks, I'm going to be silly, I'm going to be fun, and I'm not going to be too hungover the next day. I'm not going to do anything insane or crazy. I'm going to remember the whole night. That's my limit. That's really like my sweet spot. If I want to get a little silly, I want to get a little crazy, I might have three drinks, I might have four drinks, because honestly, after two drinks, it's all drunk. I'm drunk. If I have more than four drinks, I'm going to (laughs) die. And I know that. I know that I will regret every single fucking action if I go past four drinks. And so I don't. 
But that takes self-control and it takes knowing yourself. Also, know what drinks make you act up. I don't know if it's science or whatever. I don't know if there's like some kind of thing to it. But I know if I drink a certain kind of alcohol, I'm going to be a psychopath. Y'all know I can't drink wine. Y'all know I cannot drink wine because if I drink a bottle of wine, I'm going to fuck everything that moves and then cry. Both. Both will happen. But I can drink gin. I can drink sake, though it does make me kind of (laughs) horny. I can drink vodka sometimes. Anything else off the fucking table, out of the question. You want to see me act like a lunatic? Anything other than those three things. But the third part of this is, I think, really deciding that you don't want to feel that way anymore. I think for a little while, getting really drunk and like making mistakes and fucking my life up, as you said... For a while, it was kind of fun and exciting in a way. Like, it was something to think about and talk about. It gave my anxiety something to do for sure. Um, It was very distracting from a lot of what was going on in my life. And, I mean, I can understand that. I think that's kind of a, a normal feeling. But I also think it didn't stop until I really decided I wanted it to stop. Like, there's no magical cure if you yourself are not actively on board and saying, I will not Snapchat every single person in my contacts. I will not send that text. I will not drink that next drink. I will not do shots because I know when I do shots, I get fucking crazy. Like it's about knowing that you really don't want to do that anymore. And you need to be honest with yourself because I know that it can be kind of, I don't know, there's, there is something nice about self-sabotage where it's like, hey, other people aren't hurting me. You know, I have some control over it. I have control over my anxiety. I have control over my life in the sense that I am the person who's causing the issues in my life. And if you feel like that's the case and you did mention self-sabotage and you did mention that you think it might be some self-sabotage, I mean, ask yourself why. Ask yourself, like, are you scared really to be vulnerable in relationships? Like, do you want to kind of ruin things with guys you're talking to because you don't like them that much? Or maybe you're not ready for a relationship or you're scared about the way you feel about them. And ask yourself, like, am I drinking a lot because I'm really socially anxious and I don't feel normal if I don't? Am I drinking so much because I'm unhappy and I don't want to face that? Like, I don't want to armchair psychology you right now, but like, If you feel like you might be self-sabotaging, you got to ask yourself why. But if I can just make you feel a little better, I will say, like, I think everyone who drinks kind of goes through a moment like this. I certainly did. I mean, I went through more than one. (laughs) Like, it does happen. It happens to the best of us, especially, I think, when you just are, like, a little anxious. I think it, it makes it, like... I think anxiety makes it so much fucking worse. And God knows there's a lot to be anxious about these days and a lot of us suffer from it. And I think if that's something you're going through, it's completely normal. I I truly cannot think of a single friend of mine who has not gone through a phase like that. I had a friend in college who went through a bad breakup and kind of went off the rails for a little bit. And like, you know, she knew. She knows and we've talked about it. And it was fine, you know. She didn't permanently ruin her life, you know. If you're just like texting guys some weird shit or like, I don't know. I don't know. Just being a little silly at the bar, dancing on the table. I don't know what you're doing. But that does not permanently ruin your life. And we look back on that time and we're like, yikes. But we laugh, you know, because you know what? She was really sad and she got through it. And 
she never gets like that anymore, ever. And I went through that phase. I don't get like that anymore, ever. I mean, look, I'll be honest. Once in a while, I have a night where I'm like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Things got out of hand. But I don't feel that overwhelming urge to like immediately like fuck everything up. Like the chaos demon is sitting on my shoulder and being like, you know what you should do. You should text your ex and tell him he had a weird penis because I've done that before. Okay. I texted someone and said they had a weird dick. Why? Why? Like, I think back on things like that, and I'm like, I deserve the death penalty. (laughs) Just kidding. Nobody deserves the death penalty. Uh, But, yeah, I would not stress too much about it. I would just, like, take a little moment of self-reflection. Ask yourself, is it really that bad? If it's really that bad, what can we do, you know, actively to maybe curb some of those things with safe drinking? And then ask ourselves, like, Why do I feel like I want to do this? Why is the chaos fairy sitting on my shoulder and really influencing me to cause problems in my life? It's like, I think I will be messy and cause problems on purpose. And it's like, I get that. I've been there. And it's kind of fun. Honestly, I miss mess. But like, you sound like you're over the mess and you don't want to be there anymore. These are good steps to start with. But also don't feel bad about yourself. Don't feel like ashamed. We've all been there. And you'll get through it. It's just a phase. It's just a phase. Oy. Oy. There really are things that I look back on that I've drunk texted guys. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Like, I drunk texted a guy once and I said, hey, <laughs> hey, remember when we hung out? I wanted to hook up, but then you put on National Treasure and I just wanted to watch National Treasure. <laughs> That's why we didn't hook up. Like, really, sometimes I would come home and just be like, I'm going to cause a ruckus. <laughs> I'm going to make things really awkward for myself. And I'm really fucking glad I don't do that anymore. But I don't know. In a way, I feel like it's what I needed at the time. It's embarrassing, but I do feel like, I don't know. I feel like it was a phase I needed to go through. And especially what I was dealing with in college, like it maybe saved me from feeling some of the worst things. Like I would have rather focused on the embarrassment of like being weird to a guy than like focused on how fucking sad and depressed I was. (laughs) So... You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Let's get into our next voicemail. There are some stories about my mom's life that I truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, her retelling of events always brings me joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all her stories for my family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mother for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Like, how do you want to be remembered? Or, what was it like when you first learned how to ride a bike? StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is respond to that email with the story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's response as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories you already knew or be surprised by stories you've never heard before. After a year of fun, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. I lost three of my four grandparents by the time I was six years old, so knowing that my future children and grandchildren would be able to get to know my parents on a personal level means everything to me. Families love StoryWorth. That's why it has more than 25,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot, with millions of stories preserved since they were founded over 10 years ago. 
Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash Ellie. That's storyworth.com slash Ellie to save $10 on your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, I'm like pretty sure. I mean, I'm going to talk about this on Taylor Talk, but I'm like 99% sure that Taylor Swift is going to put Cruel Summer out finally as a single in August. Like, I'm not going to get into my reasoning right now because I'm going to do it on Taylor Talk on Monday. Um, oh, I guess I would have done it yesterday. So go listen to Taylor Talk um, because because I'm going to talk about that if you're interested. But I'm like pretty, pretty sure. Anyways, anyways, this is our next voicemail. Hey Ellie, my name's Lucy. I'm also a June Cancer like you, so I feel like you're the best person to answer this question slash go to advice for because I've been listening to you you for years and I feel like we have the exact same kind of personality. But I just moved to New York City, post-grad, like everything like that, and I want to set up a Hinge profile, but I need help like answering some of the prompts and things like that. So I'm wondering if you have any general advice for making your profile on like any dating app stand out in general. Okay, I love you so much. Bye, Ellie. Thank you. Oh, the dating apps. Oh, the dating apps. It's so funny because last week we talked about dating app fatigue and I have it. But at the same time, I do love making profiles. Like, (laughs) I don't know if that's it's that part of me that's like, I'm always a slut for an online quiz. Like, there's just something about making a dating app profile that I have so much fun with. I truly would do it for people like for a living if I could like if I could truly set up a business where I just like made people's hinge profiles like I would you know that quote that's like if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life like that would be me because I love doing it I think it's so fun but first I just want to warn you that dating in New York is rough it's fucking rough but I also know a lot of people who have met people on hinge and are like marrying them because that's the fucking age I am my friend just got engaged actually and they met on hinge incredible (laughs) so let's see i think the best way to go with a dating app profile is to just truly not try too hard i mean but put your best face forward put your best foot forward make yourself look good but i would say your answers can be pretty nonchalant i think sometimes the mistake people make is trying to be like super fucking witty and interesting and cool in your answers and it's like yeah I get that but at the same time all you really want to come across as on a dating app is normal like the number one advice be fucking normal just like come across as someone who is not gonna murder you come across as someone who is not gonna slash your tires come across as a person who is not a catfish what you say doesn't really matter so much as the way you say it i know that's such a good girly thing to say but your answers like your prompt answers you you really can say anything don't put too much pressure on yourself answer the first thing that pops into your head like if you read a question and you have an answer that pops into your head 
go with that. Don't overthink the questions you choose. Don't overthink the answers. Whatever you think is like fun and silly in the moment. Honestly, have a glass of wine. Do it with your girlfriends. Make each other laugh. Like stick with it because like it's not so serious. The person that you're going out with just needs to know that like hmm, they seem attractive and normal and cool. Let's talk. And then once you actually talk to them and actually go on a date with them, that's where you figure out, oh, they're really cool and witty and interesting and we have a lot of hobbies in common but like you don't need to you know leave a little to the imagination you don't need to try too hard with the answers i do think there's a science with pictures i think there's absolutely a science to the pictures you choose because frankly we're visual creatures but with the answers just don't overthink it first thing that pops in your head honestly i have a list of the, the prompts somewhere i could give you some examples of like whatever dumb silly thing hold on let me see let me see if i have the list somewhere Okay, I found them. Okay. Okay. Um, do, do you agree or disagree that um, peanut butter M&Ms are far superior to peanut M&Ms? See? Dumb. <laughs> dumb, but it's a conversation starter. Um, uh, <laughs> once I answered, I won't shut up about anything ever, so be prepared for that. <laughs> and that actually got a lot of, got a lot of hits. I'm weirdly attracted to hands very attracted to hands don't know why they're very attractive the dorkiest thing about me is i do a podcast where i do lyric analysis on taylor swift lyrics <laughs> like it's really it's whatever pops into your head first whatever you want to say you don't have to try too hard to be interesting and actually i find it very grating when people try to be like fucking sick especially men when men are like um i'm cliff diving it's like okay and like <laughs> But yeah, don't overthink that. Now, with the pictures, this is what you're going to want to do. The first picture, you're going to want to make that a solo picture. Best solo picture of you that you got. Grab that attention right off the bat. It's kind of like you're writing an essay, right? You're writing an essay and your opening sentence needs to be an attention grabber. And that's that picture. Now, the second picture, you're going to want a picture of you with friends, Maybe one friend, maybe two friends. Not a huge group of friends because it's like, who are you among those friends? Two friends, okay? One friend. That way they know, okay, she has friends. We're getting into the body of the paragraph. Next picture, if you have a hobby, something you really like to do that you have a picture of you doing. If you love to hike, a picture of you hiking. If you make vases and pottery, a picture of you doing that. Something that says, I have interests i have hobbies maybe it's you singing karaoke at a bar something where it's like okay i'm active i'm interesting i'm fun your next picture if you have a pet that's a great place to put the pet picture um if you don't have a pet it's cool to put another solo picture there or another picture of you with a friend I would, if you have pictures of you with both men and women, maybe post that. So it's like, look, I'm normal. I have friends of that are men, that are women, that are non-binary. I'm normal. And then your last picture should be another solo picture. You're ending with a nice, satisfying conclusion. You're going to look at that and they're going to say, oh, yeah, they seem cute, you know. But, you know, it's really more than anything else. It's about going on the date. So make sure your pictures kind of tell that story of that paragraph and don't overthink your answers uh, to the prompts and you are going to be fine. People really do find love on Hinge. This is not sponsored, by the way, by Hinge. <laughs> this is not sponsored by Hinge, but... I, yeah, I think dating apps can work. I just think have fun with your profile because it is fun. It's like fun and silly. It's like 
making your avatar in sims like i don't know like there's something fun about it and you get to make yourself come off whatever however you want to so you know might as well make yourself seem normal fun and cool because i mean you probably are but yeah don't don't worry about it you got this honestly if you have half a brain and a couple pictures of yourself, you can make a pretty damn good Hinge profile. I'm also more than happy to help with Hinge profiles. Like, if you ever want that, just ask me, um, and we can do a we can do a whole segment or or something dedicated to that. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Let's move on to our next DM. Okay, this this is a little breakup DM. I could do whole entire episodes on breakups. Maybe we'll do like a breakup Bible episode. That might be kind of fun. But I liked this question and I have a lot to say about it. So, okay, this is from Megan. And Megan said, hi, I've been listening since Schnitt Talk and following you on Twitter forever. Love you and your content. I just like less than 24 hours ago broke up with my boyfriend. And it's already been an emotional roller coaster, and I currently feel bored because that's who I'd text every day. And now I just don't have this routine and person to automatically fill my time. And I was just wondering how I A, get over it, and B, keep myself from reaching out because I've already tried more than enough to make it work. First of all, I'm glad you know that you don't want to reach out right? Like we do not text our exes. This is an anti-text your ex podcast. But I'm I'm glad you know that you tried everything you could and it's not on you anymore. And like it's time to like move past this person who clearly did not give you what you deserved. But I know that feeling is really tough because I mean, I'm the first person to say that like you're relationship like your boyfriend your ex like they're not your friend they're your boyfriend like it's a completely different relationship but you're losing the person you probably talk to the most you're losing a person that you got used to you know hearing from every day I think what was really hard for me about my last breakup was he would call me every night to say good night so when we broke up it was like very weird for me like I, I felt like I couldn't fall asleep because I didn't have that what I would suggest is that you get yourself a breakup buddy. (laughs) I know that sounds like a sex thing. Breakup buddy actually would be a really good name for a vibrator. But what I mean is get a breakup buddy, somebody who you can text the way you would have texted your boyfriend. Not forever, just until you get through that tough period. I did this, I've done this for plenty of friends, but I remember I did this for a friend of mine in college who had had this horrible like on again off again relationship with someone who just was really shitty to her and I was like you are not going back like we're not doing that we're not going back we're not going to move backwards we're not texting him she and she was just like but I don't know who to talk to I don't know who to text I'm like fucking text me text me and she did she texted me she hung out with me Anything that like she would have been doing with him, watching a movie, having a bottle of wine on Friday night or, you know, going to get late night McDonald's or whatever. Like I was there. I was her breakup buddy. And you know what? She didn't go back to him. She got in a new relationship a couple months later after she like kind of figured her shit out. And they're still together. It's been like four years. Okay, like (laughs) you need a breakup buddy. I think everybody 
most people have experienced a breakup. So there's just nothing that anyone would ever judge you for in terms of needing this. And I think anyone who loves you would be more than happy to be a breakup buddy. You don't need just one. You have a whole host of breakup buddies. My friends, Michaela and Claudia, I told them how hard it was that I... I didn't know how to go to sleep because he would always call me to say goodnight. And they started calling me to say goodnight. I mean, for like a month, every night they would call me to say goodnight. And like that made it so much easier to face those nights because nights are hard, you know, nights are the hard part. And that made it so, so much easier for me. And I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough to have people that I know I could text every inane thought to. And also by the end of our relationship, it's not like I was texting him all the time anyways, because I like didn't want to talk to him. <laughs> but yeah, I like know this feeling. Just get yourself a breakup buddy. Just what you say to your friend. Here is what you say to your friends. Hey, just went through this breakup, you know, I'm having a really hard time, like not texting him. Could I text you what I would have texted? Like, could I text you every time I'm thinking about texting him? No fucking person who loves you, honestly, no fucking person in general would ever say no to that. Also, you can always DM me every time you're having that moment of weakness. Like you can always just send me a DM of whatever you would have said to him. I have people like plenty of people in my DMs who have sent like, I mean, years, years of paragraphs being like, here's what I want to say to him right now, but I'm not. I'm going to say it to you. Um, And hopefully that's helped them in some way. But I know that that loneliness that feeling of being alone is the hardest part. And I also think that that's kind of what makes people maybe jump into things that aren't super good for them. You know, you jump into a thing or like a relationship, a situationship, like right after a breakup because you're afraid to kind of be alone in that way. I I think that that's a really normal and a really common thing to do. But I think when you have a breakup buddy, it's just a little bit healthier because you're talking to a friend, you know, you're not... I guess you're not like entangling your fragile emotional state and putting it onto somebody else, you know, in the same way that you would if it was kind of a relationshipy thing. Like you just got broken up with, you're not ready to really be in a relationship, but you are afraid to be alone. So you're like talking to some guy like that's not necessarily fair to that guy. If you're doing that with a friend and your friend knows that you just like need to not be alone with your fucking thoughts, like that's completely different. And I think less people, fewer people are going to get hurt in that scenario. And like you are not going to get hurt in that scenario either. And I think it's a it's a much healthier way for you to process, you know, what happened. I honestly think part of why I got over things so quickly was because I was having these nightly phone calls where I would just be like, I'm sad. And they'd be like, I know. And I'd be like. I was thinking about this today and they'd be like, for sure. And I'd be like, can you tell me again why this is a good thing? And then they would tell me and then I would go to sleep and I would feel better. And that kind of support was so invaluable, like knowing more than anything that my friends were there for me and that I had these breakup buddies and that my friends like really took my pain seriously, which like everyone does. You go through a breakup, like people just get it. Seriously, like my last breakup, I was like crying in public probably two days after we broke up and the waiter at Ruby's came over and he said, girl, me too. And I said, what happened to you? And he said, my fiance just dumped me. And then I was like, I just got dumped too. And then we cried on the bench at Ruby's together. Like it's such a universal experience and like let your friends support you and be there for you because that's what friends are fucking for. Um, Don't fall into the temptation of like going on a dating app and like looking for someone to fill that void unless you think you're really ready for that. I mean, in that case, I'm not judging you. Do what you want to do. But I really think staying away from 
the urge to find attention from men in that sense, that's going to serve you so much better in the long run and help you recover emotionally. And really, when you're ready to move on, like be ready to move on because you got all of the all of the unsaid things out of your system and you get out of the routine of talking to them every day and you get into a routine of talking to your friends every day, which is good for you anyways. So I am the biggest fan of the breakup buddy. I have been a breakup buddy. Again, you can always DM me. Always, always DM me. You can always call the voicemail and literally cry if you want to. Like, that's, it's there for you. It's a resource for you. Like, I know it's so, so scary to feel like you're bored and you're alone and you don't know what to do going forward, but it's so temporary. It's so temporary. And like, your friends are there for you. Your family is there for you. I'm there for you. The podcast community is there for you. Like, it's going to be okay it'll get easier and easier and easier and one day you'll be like I can't even believe I used to talk to that person (laughs) like what did we even talk about one day it'll be weird when their name pops up on your phone you'll be like why the fuck is that guy texting me you know it gets easier it gets easier every day and right now is the hard time and just know that it's gonna be a little bit hard and it's gonna suck and then it's gonna get better because that's how heartbreak works it sucks and then it gets better and on that heartwarming note i think that that is our episode so what's our song of the week this week what is our song of the week this week okay our song of the week this week is body bag by chloe moriondo m-o-r-i-o-n-d-o it's a bop it's a banger it's a fun one And uh, I think it's got good vibes for the summer. I love you guys so much. I appreciate your support more than you even know. I I really um, (laughs) I really do appreciate your support. I've been going through obviously not the best time, um, but every day is going to be better. And I cannot tell you what your support means to me. And yeah, I love you guys so, so, so much. If you like this show, if you like me, feel free to follow me on social media. My Twitter is holy underscore schnitt. My Instagram is Ellie underscore schnitt. And my TikTok is at Ellie schnitt, although I don't really post anything good on there. Um, <laughs> if you like Taylor Swift, you can listen to my Taylor Swift podcast. It's also a live show every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Episodes are also uploaded on Spotify. Just search Taylor Talk and you'll find it. I love you guys so, so, so much. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're not having too cruel of a summer. I hope things are going really well for you. I missed you so much last week and I promise I'll never leave you again. (laughs) As always, have a good day. Have a good night wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I hope it's a great one. Oh, one more thing. Shit, shit, shit. So sorry. If you ever want to send in a question, you can DM me. Instagram is easiest, but um, you know, whatever you want to do. And then if you ever want to call in and leave a voicemail, the voicemail number is 847-282-0462. That's 847-282-0462. And that is also left up in a highlight on my Instagram profile if you ever want to find it. And it's always linked in the bio of the show as well. So on that note, have a good day. Have a good night. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope it's a good one. And I will catch you on the next one. Bye. Thank you. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.